College football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk, what else, some college football in week seven. This this year in general of college football has just been silly. I mean, it has been delivering week after week after week after week. We knew coming off a great weekend last weekend in week six, we knew what was on the on paper. And, you know, just like in boxing, you could put a fight on paper and you think something's going to be great or good or whatever styles match up, and then it turns into a stinker or a one-sided fight. But this week, you know, but three different games featuring undefeated, I almost said fighters, teams all across, you know, conferences. Just a phenomenal weekend in the sport. We had so many tight games uh, within the top 25 obviously highlighted by Alabama and Tennessee in a crazy, crazy game. Big, big win for the Tennessee program. It's been a long time coming. And no matter what happens this year, I think you can officially say they are back. Um, And then TCU, another great game going on at the same time. I mean, when it was 42-42 to and 30-30 to in fourth quarter, I was just like, Man, I'm glad I had the weekend off so I could check this out. So there's a variety of games that we will recap. Um, And then we'll look, you know, to next week as well. Syracuse, undefeated team. It'll be interesting, you know, what they can do outside of the dome. They're pretty big, you know, uh, underdogs against Clemson at home. UCLA and Oregon, big, big game in the Pac-12. Spread's actually gone up just a little bit in favor of Oregon. Texas visiting Oklahoma State, coming off a heartbreaking loss. Mississippi, Alabama. Kansas State and TCU. I swear to God, the Big 12 is so, like, layered with depth that every week there's just great games, and usually it's two great games. Um, so, yeah, man, this is uh, this is just going to be a fun one again. Like I said, a great year for college football. Um and I had my best week probably ever betting college football. I just got, you know, just lucky every turn up the corner. So anyway, we will be talking about it in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it over radio. However, you don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open. Download the show directly there. Listen to the browser. You can find this here college ball show under the rope and dope radio podcast on apple podcast iHeartRadio, amazon music spricker stitcher player fm google podcast tune in and many other platforms while you're at it why don't you head on over to the brewingtruth.com and one more thing if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have and you're not quite happy i got something for you it's called direct tv stream it is the best of live tv and on demand there's no annual contracts no hidden fees Uh, Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fees. Um, If you choose the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of Showtime Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. That's a savings of $160. And for a limited time only, the prices start as low as $49.99 for two months. That's DirecTV Stream. All right, let's bring in the co-host, Marshall, here. I mean – it's really hard not to start any place else but that crazy, crazy Tennessee game, uh, you know, getting the job done at home in Alabama. But how are you doing, 
mind, sir. What a week in a college football. So I have a uh, economical question for you, Chris. And, you know, you, you pay attention to a little more of like, you know, how our economy works in this country and, you know, blue collar men, white collar men. I'm, I'm I, So hear me out. I'm very confused as to why the University of Tennessee, who, mind you, I think there was 106,000 people at that game who were probably having food, drinks, paid for parking. Um, I, I believe tuition there is more than $2,000 a semester. So what I don't get is you have the biggest win in the uh, century of the 20, what, 21st century of your football team. But then you're asking for donations for a goalpost. Like, I, it just, it blows my mind. And I, and I know we'll get to the game, but it's like, first off, how expensive is a goalpost? And secondly, I, I was the, just the, saying, let's get on eBay or, you know, <laughs> does Amazon have goalposts? The, 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 the gate they must have made for that game and the revenue that school makes, yet you're saying, hey, uh, guys, uh, you know how you chuck that goalpost in the river? Um, we need some new ones. We need you all to help out. Like, I, man, colleges, like, holy shit. Like, dude, you're, you're, you can afford it. Like, I, you're the University of Tennessee. You're a big university. I guarantee you, whatever, whatever you use for ticket revenue for that game could buy you goalposts. If not, Chris, if goalposts are like a million dollars per goalpost, it's like, dude, whoever's building goalposts, we need to buy stock in that company, my friend. And start making some cash with it. Almost <laughs> $11,000. $10,909.95 on Anthem Sports. You can find it. Um, there's also a pro one. That's a college one, by the way. Pro oh, well, you, you need the right distance. $300. What the hell? Um, that's kind of weird. But, yeah, the college one for $10,000. I'm pretty sure. You know, it's one thing to be like, hey, you know, donate to the school or sure, you know, yeah, whatever. you know, I yeah, don't know, alumni, you know, let's let's yeah. put some money in the pot, you know, whatever. I I, I get that stuff, but yeah, it is kind of. I did see that, kind of kind of random. Um, but before the the goalposts went in the river, um, <laughs> which is I mean, which is such a cool sentence to say, my friend. If if there was like a yeah. bingo card of college football events to happen this year. Chucking a goalpost in the river is probably on no one's college football bingo card, man. And that's why we love this sport. It reminded me of those old uh, Confederate uh, stuff that people kept throwing, you know, into water if it was near. Oh, yeah, 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 but, uh, yeah, yeah. But as far as, like, the only one I remember as far as the goalpost, well, one of, two of them at, in the Dome, in the Metrodome, one of them was the Badgers. Block punt, scoop, score, or just recovery, touchdown. Just a miracle win by the Badgers. They took the uh, goalpost. Uh, some Iowa fans take goalposts. The Vikings fans took the goalposts someplace way back in the day in the 80s. But, yeah, that is crazy. Anyway, let's get to the game. Um, All right. So, I, okay. I, I, I'll go. <laughs> um, I was able to meet up with my Tennessee friend, which was awesome. Uh, she grew up there. She's been to games there. That's her squad. She had her Vols hat on, so I'm very happy she got the dub. Um, we talked about it last week. Um, I was, I remember being sh- shook, honestly, and surprised of how efficiently Texas had passed the ball in Tennessee. Like, if you go back to the first quarter of that Texas game, that Ewers, when he was healthy and in, 
was making long passes down the field consistently against the Alabama secondary. When he went out, it changed. But you're like, okay, that that, that was rare for a Bama secondary to give a big place. And even though the quarterback for AM wasn't that good last week, he put up respectable numbers for his kind of garbage self. So going to that game, I'm thinking, okay, you're at home. You have the best quarterback Bama's seen all year. You would assume they're going to, you know, take their shots. But what I didn't quite expect was for, I mean, Chris, there was, Tennessee almost had a field day. When you have one receiver that gets five touchdowns and a a, a handful of plays that are over 50 yards, just to give credit to Tennessee's offense as I get into the game here, sorry for the goalpost rant, um, the, the Tennessee passing offense was on point. And I got to give him credit because even, even when you watch football games on Saturdays and Sundays, there are quarterbacks who, as good as they are, NFL or college, will, will miss a pass. I'm not saying that Hooker was perfect, but, dude, the, that place was rocking. He stepped up, and he literally almost, I would say, to put, I mean, put things in perspective, he almost went out and pitched like a no-hitter. That, that dude barely missed any spots, barely had any turnovers. And for the Tennessee offense, they really did expose the Bama secondary they had very few mental mistakes, and that offense really did show that Bama's secondary is a weakness, and they cashed in on quite a few big plays. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd have to say it the opposite way, too, if you look at the numbers. But Oh, yeah, sure. I think that one of the key plays was, you know, when they only had, like, 15 seconds or whatever to get close enough, and, to, you know, three plays, 45 yards, and that, that last pass, um, the, the pass and the catch in traffic to Keaton or whatever, that was – that could have been one of the best, you know, plays of the game right there, just in the clutch and all that. But you're right. I mean, I didn't expect him to get up 28-10, I will say that. Uh, you know, it was nice that Alabama did, you know, make it a game at half 28-20. You're thinking, okay, you know, let's see where this thing goes. Pretty crazy, though, because they ended up, you know, coming back from 18 – getting the lead, and funny enough, like I said earlier, you know, fourth quarter, 42-42, to and that TCU-Oklahoma State game is 30-30, to and they, they came back from 17 or whatever it was. So, uh, But just sticking to this game, for a second there, you know, I waited. I really wanted that plus eight. I remember talking about it on Monday, or was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, and I screwed up. I was like, man, I wish I would have taken that. It was already down to seven bouncing around seven, seven and a half. And then by kickoff, it was plus nine for Tennessee. I was like, I, I've got to take it. And, uh, but it was kind of funny there for a second because I thought, oh, Bama and Vegas know what they're doing here. Because when it was, uh, when they were up by seven, excuse me, up by seven after that scoop and the, the recovery scoop and score. And then that, what appeared to be a long throw into the end zone, intercepted, ran back inside the 20. Hence, you know, putting them almost in field goal range there, or basically in field goal range. I was like, dude, and they're not going to just sit on the ball. There's three minutes left. So they're going to at least kick a field goal. Like, there it goes, dude, 10-point game. I'm going to lose this bet, and it's all for nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see the flag, they score a touchdown. To have a chance, though, to to kick that field goal, and it wasn't like a super short field goal, let's, let's be fair, but that thing was shanked right off the bat from Alabama and like I said that impressive 
you know, three-play drive, that last toss in traffic to, to set him up there. The crowd went crazy. I mean, that, that was phenomenal. But when you look at Bama, um, like you said, 385, uh, I think really the more telling thing, in a sense anyway, was also a buck 82, giving up a buck 82 on the ground, 4.7 a carry. Um, that was a little like, wow, okay. Um, on the flip side, though, you know, having Young back, they threw for frickin' – they threw the ball 52 times. This is not the Bama, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago team. Um, 52 times, 455 through the air. But, you know, 114 is pretty solid on the ground, Marshall, but 3.7 a carry. And here's the big one. They had the ball for 37-29 compared to 22-31. A lot of that was the quick strike Tennessee Bulls, of course. But 17 penalties for a buck 30. And I, and I remember, wasn't there like a 15 penalty game early? I believe there was. Well, against against Texas, they had a ton. They they were between twelve to fifteen, yeah, or in that ballpark for sure in the teens. Right now, fifteen for a hundred. I mean, in your two biggest games, to be that heavily penalized, that blows my mind because they're that's usually not the case, as we know. Yeah, and, and you know, this is just—I think we're just seeing kind of a realistic team. Like this is Saban, not his most like handcrafted we're Bama we do things the right way and you got a really good example of that due to that brain cramp of the guy with the punt I mean that was such like a like I heard it I heard it on a uh, ESPN show or a, a podcast it was like Bama doesn't do that and not that regular teams don't but that's something Bama doesn't do and it kind of hit me for a second I'm like you know what that's really true that is not a Nick Saban type play you see it happen all the time but not by Bama and for that guy to just, for some odd reason, want to scoop up the ball when it, it to me, it didn't really look close, Chris, that teammate had touched it. But to have that brain cramp and tend to kind of give up ideal field position for an offense who you had forced to a punt, um, yeah, it's just they, they've, they've played a couple of road games now where, you know, you're, you're not in Tuscaloosa, you're getting pushed the break, you're, you're at stadiums that, I don't know the size of Texas is, but I'm sure it holds at least seventy to 80,000. We're on the road. You're facing tough competition, and you, you you get a little shook. So, I mean, nonetheless, they're still you know they're still highly ranked, and it, it is Bama. But you're right. This is not the most organized team <clears throat> that Saban's had. But again, for God forbid, he once has a bit of a letdown. And yeah, just to kind of cap off the Tennessee uh, offense, that Jalen Hyatt six catches, 207 yards for uh, five TDs. I mean, dude, talk about having a game. Like, that That dude went off. And I'll say this. I did give Bryce Young a lot of crap last night, a lot. But I was kind of going back and forth on, like, him or Corral. Like, I, I thought Corral had a, a great year as well, but he didn't quite have maybe the pieces Bama did. I gained a lot of respect for Bryce Young from that game, Chris, because that dude took a beating. If, uh, if the Alabama – offense was getting NFL referees assigned to them that game, there would have been at least three or four personal fouls on Bryce Young where he got up, shook it off, and kept playing. In college football, there wasn't a, a ref didn't throw a single damn thing, which is so weird to think about. But that dude, he and he was already sore and hurt. 
Yeah, so, you're right. He came I, in banged up on his shoulder, too, of all He things. came in banged up, and Tennessee – I'm not saying Tennessee was dirty. There was no, like, oh, that's no, a cheap no, no, foul. Yeah, and shit. It, it no, it, it's just it's just football. Yeah, yeah. but but they rocked him again and again and again, and I, I got a newfound respect for him because that dude, he sucked it up. You know he was in pain, and even if he wasn't hurt, a couple of those shots he took would have hurt anyone in general. Uh, but I tip my cap to him. And it, it, it came down to a college kicker. We talk about that every podcast, every year. You know, the, it, it is nothing's ever a guarantee in college football with kickers. We saw a Missouri kicker who against Georgia hit four from over 50, but the week prior missed one from 24 that was dead center of the field. You know, it, it, nothing's ever a guarantee. And I'm pretty sure, Chris, I, I, I saw an angle I where it. Too. I mean, 50 is oh, a long, long oh, yeah. But I want, and I never saw it conclusive, but I'm 98% sure that a Bama guy did hop over the line and that ball did get tipped. Some people are saying, oh, the Tennessee guy made a shitty kick. I mean, it went in either way. But I think that ball did get deflected. And if you see, like, kind of an end zone replay, that ball must have cleared the goalpost by about uh, yeah. three to four feet. It, yeah, it was close. That makes sense. You know, I never did watch that replay again, so that's good to hear. Cause I, I, yeah, because that was a horrible kick, if not. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm, oh my, mm-hmm. when he kicked it, I was like, oh, that's short, dude. That is short. Like, I, I thought for sure it was short. It just looked short. And it, it just looked like a horrible. I thought I was watching a Viking game. You know, like, oh, here we go again. We're going to overtime. You know? That was crazy, dude. That was crazy. I mean, that, what a game. And, and that, like I said, that shit doesn't happen as far as the atmosphere, as far as rushing the, the crop, you know, the, the field. Like, that stuff mm-hmm. just doesn't happen in, in the NFL. Um, no. We know there's better players. We know all this stuff. It's great. You know, we love us some NFL football. But when you look at, especially politics out of it, just college football regular season, not what has happened at the end of some year now. But, I mean, it's if you needed another example, and this, the rivalry stuff, just everything. Like you said, with the song at the end, taking it back, claiming their song again. Like, it's just, it's just so many layers to the, to the, you know, college football like that. And, you know, much like when people say when Miami is back, it, and they're not right now. But I'm saying, if Miami's back, it's better for college football. If USC's back, it's better. Well, when Tennessee's back, I got to admit, it is better for college football. I mean, there's just no way around it. For years and years and years, they've just been rough. But yet, you still see a lot of people in that, uh, like you said, large 106 or 107,000 people in that stadium. And they're probably still partying. I mean, they, oh, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> wow. That, that was crazy, man. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to see if Tennessee can hold on. You know, that now they're gonna now you know, it's not over, you know. But yeah, dude, that was that was miraculous. Anything else from that before we do get in that Oklahoma State TCU, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan walked them in the second half, walked all over them. Obviously we we got a, a, a nice little rank coming up from the Utah USC game. Um, any other any other items from that game that you wanna add before we get into some of this other stuff, man? Lots to talk about. Uh, I mean, we, we, we could probably do one podcast on that show, but no, we'll, we'll keep it moving. And, and, and as my co-host did say, at the same time, there was a, a great Big 12 game going on, which was an overtime game, which I was almost say which Tennessee and Bama was, which almost did occur. Um, 
But yeah, you had TCU who, to give them credit, Chris, won this football game. Just kind of, you look back, you, you got rid of a coach who'd been there for nearly two decades. You were, you know, the, the players said they kind of, they split ways with the coach. The last year kind of got ugly. You know, players were checking out, arguing butt heads with the coaches, whatever. Okay. So you bring in a, a new coach from across the, the city at SMU, the guy, uh, Sunday Dykes now comes to TCU and you had, you beat SMU in a, in a close game by 42 34. You beat Oklahoma 55 24. Then you beat an upstart Kansas 38 31. And at worst, you're thinking, okay, maybe there's going to be a letdown spot. Because as we know, shit, NFL high school or college, if yeah. a football team wins a bunch that of close games, next, you know? yeah, you're going to have that one slip over like, dude, how many more times can we get up for this game? Like, it happens to any level of football. And you weren't shocked, really, as my co-host said, they were down early. Uh, uh, TCU is down early. You're thinking, okay, like, dude, you've been playing good football. But Oklahoma State's a good team too. Like, okay, you're down, but you know it's like if you lost, if you lost the game, it won't be the end of the world. No one was picking TCU to go six and zero to start off the season, and you go into halftime and Oak State's up twenty four to thirteen. Okay, well, you know again, not the end of the world, but ah, maybe they were they were due for a letdown spot, but not so fast. Again, third quarter is a bit sluggish. They they basically traded field goals. But in the fourth quarter, Chris, with about 13 minutes-ish to go, TCU is down 14. They're able to score 14 more, and they are able to win in overtime. So, again, th- this guy won't get maybe, – oh, maybe we'll get coached the year. But to give the new coach credit, to walk into a program, change morale literally in your first year, reinvent an offense, which had always been struggling under Patterson. That was kind of the knock on him. He was a defensive guy, but not necessarily an offensive guy. And you get this Max Duggan, who last year for TCU looked okay, but wasn't great. Um, I, I, I really got to tip my cap. I know Kansas has gotten a lot of love, which they deserve, because they've kind of jumped out on the map out of nowhere. But I, I honestly feel, Chris, that TCU is just as much of a shock. I, I know that they're obviously been a, a more dominant football yeah. franchise for college as opposed to Kansas. But a couple for the last three to four years, they've been a, okay, TCU is going to win seven games a year and maybe knock off. Yeah. Knock off like Baylor or Oak state or Texas in an upset, but like they're, they're just okay. Uh, Hey, tip the cap to a coach who's reinvented stuff. Uh, You're six and oh, you had a hell of a comeback and dude, they're, they're just playing with house's money and they're still rolling dice to crap stable. Chris. Yeah, you're right. Because that's a big shadow to replace. And uh, I mean, shit, he won so well they went into the Big 12. You know what I mean? Like, he got him into the Big 12. So, I mean, yeah, that was uh, – it, it is a great story. And, obviously, once you win someplace, unless it's years and years and decades and decades ago, you always know you can win there again with the right sure. the right program and all that. And it does look like they made a great decision. Dugan, um, you know, 23 of 40 is not blowing you away. But the the multi-purpose, you know, yards he gets, um, just overall, though, I mean, they had a 104-yard rusher, right, Miller, 22 carries. But then two more guys had 9 and 11 carries. Overall, 43 carries, 224, three tutties, 5.2 a carry. And this wide receiver just keeps that quitting 
Quentin Johnston, that dude is just a baller, man. I mean, he, he's made a lot of great catches already this year. Um, he had a hell of a game, too. A big, big game. So, yeah, I mean, credit to them. Sanders looked a little, came into the game and looked a little banged up. It, it kind of played out that way. Um, but, yeah, to come back, you know, down 16 or whatever it was, that was humongous, man. That, that was really big. And the time of possession wasn't a whole lot of turnovers on both sides. Uh, fairly clean game penalty-wise. They just made the plays. Um, and you're right, this Dugan, is, he's had a phenomenal season. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll talk about the game they got coming up because uh, it's, it's very similar styles. Uh, but a great, great win for TCU, and it'll be interesting if they can, you know, keep going. And, and once again, tip of the cap to the Big 12 this year. Every every week it's at least a big game. But it kind of has been, I think the last few weeks, it feels like it's been two big games. We got that one on the schedule. Um, just kind of working our way through some of this. Penn State in Michigan. Penn State was actually, it's, you can't really believe it, but they were actually up in this game at half. Uh, I mean, not by a lot, but they were up. So I was like, okay, well, you know, let's see. They had never, tra- yeah, they had never trailed uh, Michigan so far because you know they've had a, a light schedule. And man, did they run away with it! I mean, fifty-five carries, four eighteen, and four touchdowns to boot on the ground. Just ran them over. And I, we were talking about the stat. Coming into the game, Penn State, in the first, uh, what was it, five games, um, gave up 399 yards and a touchdown on the ground for the year. I mean, that's a freaking crazy stat to turn around and be like, oh, well, forget it. We're going to lose this game. So they they ran away with it, no doubt about it. And then obviously, um, you know, we'll we'll get into that USC Utah as well. It looked like USC was going to run kind of away with it earlier, at least keep that little double-digit deficit, you know, away. Just keep keep that little lead. And I got to say, I was surprised that they went for two. It makes sense. Like, it does line up, um, especially quarterback for quarterback. That, that does, That's a smart move. But in my head, I was watching fights at the time, and I'm looking at the TV, looking at my phone, doing this. And I got a bet on the game. You know, I got uh, my, uh, plus 3.5 USC. So I'm thinking, dude, they're going to tie. It's going to go to overtime. God dang it. And who knows what happens in overtime. And sure enough, they went for two. That was a pretty ballsy move, but I get it. Um, so there is some other games we'll talk about. But those two in particular, and obviously we, we have a little uh, segment here uh, for my co-host with his uh, USC rant as far as the yeah uh to to give to wrap up the Penn State Michigan quickly because we did talk a lot about Bama Tennessee so we want to keep staying on pace but hey w- neither team had played great competition yet and Michigan dig it up 13-0 early and then Penn State made a drive and they made a pick six after that so literally I went from changing the channel back to the game and I went from Michigan's up 13-0 and about two minutes later, they're down 14, 13, like, what the hell? And that was kind of the little flash in the pan that Penn State had, because besides that, that game was a beatdown. So, again, hey, give Harbaugh credit. You're you're literally on the second year of being on, like, a, a heater. Like, 
Last year, they beat Ohio State. They ran the ball. They played great defense. They controlled the clock. They've done the same thing again this year. And again, they demolished Penn State, who was ranked 10th in the country. So credit to Michigan. Uh, it looks like we're probably going to be lining up for another great Michigan-Ohio State end-of-the-year battle, the way these teams have been playing football so far. Um, so hats off to them. And if Penn State gets blown out, I, I never shed a tear on this podcast. Um, but for shedding tears, uh, again, I, I was telling Chris, I've done this podcast with him for uh, close to a decade now. I rarely ever complain about refs, but I, I will complain about refs a little bit here. Um, now, USC did lose. Okay, It is what it is. They lost. But, man, there was some really heartbreaking calls that didn't go their way. And when you do have – it is one thing if your team gets beat by 30, you're like, God, the refs suck. But when you lose a game by one um, and you had a couple of calls that allowed Utah to score a, a drive prior in the fourth quarter before that game winning one, and even then when Utah scored, as my co-host said, they went for two. It was an aggressive move, but you're at home. Neither defense was really stopping each other. So like you said, Whitney had made a gutsy call, but it paid off. They, they called the right play. Um, USC ran the kickoff back to like the 45-yard line. So you're thinking, okay, like, all right, as a USC fan, I'm thinking we got two timeouts. We got to move the ball about roughly 25 yards to have a chance at a field goal. Now, again, as you know, as we saw earlier with Alabama, a college kicker is never a guarantee, but we got a chance. And then you see the replay of the holding they called. And this USC player was blocking a Utah guy in the kickoff. The Utah guy literally fell down and it called a hold. And it was one of those things where you go from having the ball in the 45 to being on about your own 15. And being on your own 15 compared to your 45 is a, is a massive difference. Um, Caleb Williams wasn't able to pull pull out magic tricks, and USC did lose. Um, it's frustrating because I, I do think the refs kind of screwed us on a couple of calls there. But at the end of the day, um, Utah Knight is a very good team. Um, for Speaking of all the years we've done this podcast, they rarely lose at home at night, Chris. They really do. In a conference game, when Utah plays at home against a tough opponent, whether it's been Oregon, Stanford, uh, USC, UCLA, they, they've been like kind of a, a um, under the radar to maybe like a, a huge ESPN Twitter follower kind of like they're not like in the mainstream media all the time, but they've had one of the better programs in the country for the last almost decade. And USC got a much better performance from Utah. Uh, then they got against UCLA last week. And, hey, to give credit to Rising, I ripped him. I said the dude's made quite a few clutch mistakes in his losses to Florida and UCLA. Um, he was 30 for 44, threw for 415 with two touchdowns. Uh, that USC defense got exposed a little bit for the first time all year. A couple of calls didn't go their way, uh, and, and their defense couldn't stop but play at the end there. And USC goes down. Uh, the season's not over. Uh, their, their chance of making the playoff might be. But, uh, hey, tip the cap to Utah. You, you got – you got beat up in your first two tough games this year, and you bounced back and went at home. Uh, but that's really been a pattern, Chris, ever since Whittingham has been their head coach there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it was just uh, – it was an interesting game. I mean, very – you know, like I said, for a second there, it did feel like that USC was going to be able to have like a 10-point lead for the rest of the game. Then it changed pretty quick, and it was just back and forth, you know, dramatic fashion like you said the refs played a, a part in it but you know there was 12 penalties so you could have seven in the game that could help that drivers it is tough to win there even though it looked you know oh yeah college football like 
it looked like Utah was not the same Utah. And who knows? Maybe they won't be still. You know what I mean? Maybe this will, you know, spur them and they'll win out uh, the rest of their games, you know? Maybe. But also, you know, coming into this one, it kind of seemed like, eh, I don't know, man. They just they just don't seem like they got the same defense and all that. And, and to be fair, they gave up a bunch of points. So, um, but they True. Like you said, you got to give credit to that quarterback as well. Both uh, just fun, fun game there. Uh, Clemson had a comfortable lead and kind of just sat on it against Florida State, 34-28. to um, So that was just a, a solid win. Florida State's kind of uh, – they're not back, but they're a quality team right now. Um, not great by any stretch, but it's not easy to go there and, and win. They've been playing pretty good this year. Um NC State and Syracuse, now that NC State, you know, has their quarterback out, they can really just run the ball. So Syracuse did enough, got a lead, kind of sat on it, added to it at the end, 24-9. Um, speaking of pride in having your quarterback back and playing well, Kentucky got the job done against Mississippi State. Um, I didn't quite know, you know what I mean? I was like, man, once again, kind of like Utah where you're like, hmm, you know, Kentucky this year, I just don't know, but Rod, I mean, you know, Levis came back, played well, no doubt, but Rodriguez, 30 carries, buck 96, six and a half um, a carry. I mean, that was an impressive win because Mississippi State, you know, was starting to look really good. Um, so I thought that was big. Um, and then uh, I do want to say, so what's it, why, why? What's up with Auburn being super competitive with Ole Miss? I thought they were done this year. Penn State beat them forty to twelve. What's up, man? What what gives with this Ole Miss squad? I'm just. Ah, uh, hey, I, I, I mean, I guess maybe you should have ran up the score a little bit more. But I, I've said from all along that this Ole Miss team is. It's like, I think they're still trying to gel. Uh, defensively, they've been pretty strong this year. Um, defensively, that wasn't the case against Auburn. Um, but maybe now the offense starting to balance itself out. Um, at the end of the day, uh, Old Miss is one of the games they're supposed to this year. They've been favored in all of them. And now they got LSU coming up, which should be a very, very fun game, um, five days from now on the calendar. Uh, but hey, Kit Lane Kiffin. Nuts, I mean, they have 300 yeah. yard rushers. <laughs> You know, they had 440, 448 yards. They ran the ball 69 times, six and a half. Now, they did give up 300 yards rushing, too. It, it is crazy just how much this game – I think Lane Kiffin's realized that, hey, Jackson Dart, the guy from UC he wanted, is not maybe quite the quarterback he expected. So we're going to run the ball religiously. Like, we used to think that Nick Saban ran the ball a lot, Bama, before Kiffin got there. This has taken that to a whole new extreme. Now, to give Jackson Dart the quarterback credit, he did have 14 carries for a buck 15, but Zach Evans 21 carries a buck 36, Quishon Judkins 25 carries a buck 39. Like, it is so weird to see a Lane Kiffin team that runs the ball religiously and has a defense that, for the most part, plays pretty well, or at least makes uh, plays and turnovers when they need to. So, hey, they're seven and zero. I think they've already cast their season win total, or the what the season win total was either six and a half or seven or seven and a half. Um, they're starting off seven zero. I can't complain. Um, I do think that they're still a little nervous about the quarterback though, because even in that game, he was nine of nineteen for a buck thirty. Like, 
They, when they when they play a, a little more higher caliber opponents, uh, that Jackson Dart's going to have to make some plays with his arm, or they're going to have to keep running the ball religiously because the the start of the year has been good, but now you finish at LSU at Kyle Field and A and M. You play Bama at Arkansas, and then you have the Egg Bowl. I mean, all five of those opponents, none of those are easy. They they I, I don't think they'll lose five in a row, but, but they could. So. Game. So far, yeah, you went beat Kentucky. That was a good yeah. win. Where yep. the defense played good. Too, where they turned it over too at the end of that game. Yeah, and, and Auburn. I mean, Auburn's not a a, a a shit opponent, but they're nothing high class either. So yeah, you won every game you're supposed to, and now you got to try to win a couple you're not supposed to. But man, going at LSU at Kyle Field and host Bama, that's a that's a tough one. But thankfully, they do have a bye week before they play Bama, so that could uh, yeah. uh, be beneficial for sure. No doubt about it. My uh, Minnesota Gophers go down on the road. I had that plus six and a half. It did seem like uh, – I thought that was a crazy number, but I did dig a little bit. And like we were talking about last Wednesday, I didn't even realize that, you know, the quarterback had gotten hurt. And all of a sudden, he comes comes back and just – beats us up. We knew both running games would be there, but the pass game was the difference in that. Um, that's how they won the game. They made enough explosive pass plays, and the pass game was horrendous um, on the other side of that. You know, maybe it was just one week. I mean, Michigan State is a very mediocre team this year, but on the road to do what they did to them, I was pretty impressed, especially without their number one receiver. But I think now it's starting to catch up to them, and they, they just can't move the ball that way. So definitely disappointing. Uh, Oklahoma looked a lot better <laughs> than they have of late as far as on offense. Having uh, Gabriel back, they beat uh, Kansas 52-42. I had Kansas plus nine, feeling real good about it. But I can't complain overall. A um, couple other games to talk about. Oh, yeah, Texas did. They were just barely getting by there for a second, but Texas did, you know, get the dub. That's ultimately what, ha- you know, what they need, especially heading into next week and some games coming up. Iowa State did show their uh, grit, though, like they have almost every game. They, they're not winning many games, but they the defense is, is legit, 24-21. Um, so that was a, a nice win for Texas just because, you know, they got to keep winning. A lot of times – Texas in the last chunk of years probably would have ended up finding a way uh, to lose that game. Um, another game, Arkansas BYU was very close. Then Arkansas just jumped on them uh, to close the game, fifty-two to thirty-five. Um, any other games that you want to talk about here, sir? Uh, I guess just for you to wrap it up. Um, I, I was just scrolling through. Uh, Notre Dame losing to Stanford surprised me. Notre Dame was actually like a and, – and, and give credit to Notre Dame. I know they're not ranked, but that's because they've had a hell of a schedule, in all fairness. But if you were to bet Stanford, I mean, believe they were plus 12. That was a nice little payday. Plus 12, dude. I was eyeballing it. I didn't take it, though. I mean, yeah, well, you, you lose to Ohio State. You lose to Marshall. You beat Cal. You, you win at Carolina. You beat BYU in Vegas. Now you lose Stanford. Man, they – jeez, that, that, that Notre Dame coach, I'm sure they're probably getting mad at him, but they've had a pretty tough schedule. And – Speaking of people who've had tough schedules all year, this team might have the toughest schedule in the nation. But, hey, credit to Arkansas and Sam Pittman. I think they're kind of like our, our third adopted team. Uh, that that dude, we I've always kind of liked him. Um, KJ, again, every game just gets blasted. 
and, and, and I know I, I feel like it's hurt almost every game yet. The dude still goes out there and like does his job. Like I, if whatever NFL team drafts him for whatever need they need him for, you're getting a dude that has about as much guts as possible. Like I hope hey, that guy was tackles on that one run. <laughs> I mean that, yeah, he is, he is a blast to watch. What, 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 whatever he ends up doing in professional football, I hope he's successful. Cause that, I mean, for all we know is uh, all, we only know him as a football player, not as a person, but that, that dude plays with all the heart he can get, and there's a lot of quarterbacks who probably would sit out with the injuries that guy sustains every week. But Arkansas, their deadly schedule continues, but, hey, they're 4-3. and three. They beat BYU 52-35. to 35. Um, BYU, another team whose schedule has been crazy. But, hey, to give credit to Arkansas, you're 4-3 and three now. You, got, you pulled off a nice one at BYU. Yet... You now go Auburn, Liberty, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri. Actually, it's not that bad. But, hey, uh, credit to Arkansas. We always – true, yes. Bad. No, you're right. Uh, just I, I just kind of like watch that team because they, they don't they, – and they, they like to cover. They cover bets a lot. True. So if, you ever, if you're ever looking for a team to – if you're ever looking for a team just to blindly bet, Arkansas is going to pay a lot of bills for you. Um. Hey, yeah. Besides that, uh, I think we kind of hit on everything pretty well. It, the all Man, the all West the Virginia almost Thursday night game was nuts too. West Virginia pulled that off forty-three forty. I remember watching that game. That was crazy. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of defense being played in that one, my friend. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, but yeah, that uh, I, uh, we I know we didn't preview <laughs> it last. To double overtime normally would be huge news, but true. Yeah, we know that it's not. And I was just going to say, uh, normally we would preview last week the LSU-Florida, which LSU right. did win 45-35, but the way the teams have been playing, you know, it's not quite as big of a deal as it was, but that was still, yeah, if you're Brian Kelly. Together a little bit. Yeah, and if you're Brian Kelly, that's one one week of where the media is not going to be down your throat so much as you're going in there trying to slowly switch your ways. And I guess my last game to hit on this week, uh, man, honestly, Purdue, Chris, might be just an automatic over every week. That team plays fun games. They stick in them. And honestly, dude, if it wasn't for, like, kind of a late-game hiccup against Penn State, yeah. Purdue could easily be 6-1 and because they played Penn State that yeah, first game of the year. Oh, okay. Well, of course, this against Nebraska, and then Penn, and then Purdue almost also blew that lead to Syracuse. Man, Purdue that the, was a heartbreaker there. Yeah. Th- that was so Purdue easily could be seven zero. I know that sounds crazy, but you have a quarterback that's really yeah, a quarterback that's great, and a head coach that's a good master uh, game planner. So, uh, hey, credit to them. But again, if you're looking to watch a close football game, Purdue's almost a guarantee to be close, and score a lot of points. And, Chris, as I say that, their next two games are at Wisconsin and Iowa, <laughs> places where you don't score points. So, actually, I, I don't – I cannot – even though it's two weeks away, I will be very curious to see what the over-under for the Iowa-Purdue game is because Iowa doesn't score and Purdue does. So, that will be an interesting one to check out from a gambling perspective. Maybe so, brother, maybe so. Bunch of field goals coming. Bunch of field goals coming our way. Uh, the crafty, crappy pick of the week didn't come through. Shouts out to Hawaii um, for having that start time so late. No, I'm just kidding. I won't make excuses. Um, but, yeah, you know, it is what it is, though. I mean, 5-2 and two, uh, is still damn good. 
Moving on to week eight, we do have some interesting matchups you know, throughout the, the landscape. Um, I want to start with, I think, on paper, one of the better games of – excuse me, I got the hiccups. Um, one of the better games of the week, probably the best on paper, in my opinion. Anyway. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, well, I suppose Oregon's not undefeated. They've been on a nice little run here. But Oregon and Ukula, UCLA, you know, they've gotten two big wins at home. Now they take the show on the road. Um, I wonder what the over for this one is, 70 and a half. So, yeah, I mean, that, that feels like that's going to happen. Um, interesting matchup here. You know, beating Utah, beating Washington, those are good wins. Um, maybe BYU is the best win uh, for Oregon, and we know that, you know, they got smashed uh, earlier this year. But um, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, I think it's an interesting one. It's a, it's a big test for UCLA to see if they are 100% real. Obviously, they're still undefeated, so they, they you know, everything's all wide open for them still. Um, and they got a, a damn good quarterback. Got a great running back, and that's not to take away from Knicks, who, especially in the Pac-12, is a top-tier quarterback, I'd say, and uh, former Gopher Irving, uh, Bucky, uh, which that nickname didn't play as well here in Minnesota, Bucky, uh, but uh, he's he's doing really well, as, you know, as well, no doubt about it. But I, I noticed it opened at five or five and a half. It's already up to six. What says you about this matchup? Is is Ukula finally gonna? come back to earth and, and, and just kind of, you know, lose this game by maybe double digits? Or what do you think? you think it'll come down to the, the last uh, handful of minutes in this one? The, um, the, the one full game performance I've seen from UCLA was very impressive against Utah. <clears throat> um, I know that the Pac-12, whether it's been, again, UCLA, USC, Oregon, they've all been scoring on each other. Uh, but UCLA's offense looked really good that game two weeks ago against Utah. And just for impressions, that, that, that makes me think they're a hard team to beat. Um, I will say, though, that throughout Bo Nix's career, it is crazy the kind of the split stats he has of being a home quarterback in the road, whether that is at, like, what, Jordan Heron in Auburn or at Oregon at home. He's a really good home quarterback. So I – God, I – Hmm. Uh, I think that, that, yeah, that if, if I was to pick a winner, I would pick, I would take UCLA just cause I've seen them. They've looked better to me. Yeah. If I was to bet money a game, I would take the over because we, we've seen or- Oregon and Bo Nix can score at home and UCLA's offense looks pretty damn good. So you, y'all, you need really is like a 40 to 38, 40 to or 38, 35 kind of game, and you're cashing the over. So I would lean over before I pick a side, but I'm going to take UCLA just because they've looked more impressive to me this year, but that doesn't mean Oregon can't get the job done. The one time I saw Oregon play, they murdered BYU, but that really was kind of a letdown spot for BYU, so it's kind of hard to give them full credit there. But, yeah, this should be a fun one. Uh, much like Chris, when we were talking about last week, um. Michigan and Penn State, and albeit they've had a lesser schedule, both of them up until this point, this is kind of like a show-me game, too, for UCLA and Oregon. Like, okay, UCLA, you've been you've been whooping up on people. What do you got? Oregon, you're at home. What do you got? I think this game is going to 
maybe help us see a little bit of a brighter light for both of these teams. Yeah, I think a letdown as far as not winning this game and losing the game finally for Ukula's coming. So I, I'm picking Oregon, but I, I, I'm really looking at that six because it was just, I think it was five or five and a half. It's already up to six. And even if it's, you know, a late touchdown, I just feel like they can keep it within six. If it goes to six and a half, I'm jumping on it. I may jump on it anyway. I like your over as well. But I, I, I'm actually going to pick, um, you know, Oregon to, to, to win the game. Um, number five, speaking of undefeated, number five, Clemson, 7-0 and against undefeated, number 14, 6-0, the Q, Syracuse, you know, playing outside the dome. Um, you know, they got a nice win before, or, you know, last week. They barely, we just talked about that, they barely got by Purdue in miracle fashion. Virginia, they had to work, work, work to get it. I mean, they did have that rough, tough game at UConn, you know, because we all know that's a tough place to play. But other than that, it's been home cooking. Home, home, home. Everything's been home. Now they got to go on the road. Um, I'm picking Clemson here, but the only thing I'm wondering is can they, it's 13 and a half right now. I think it opened at 13. Kind of thinking Q's can can sneak under there. I, I haven't made the bet or anything like that, but I'm looking at that going, hmm. I think Syracuse can slide under that 13 and a half, but I do feel like Clemson's going to win at home. Whenever I've watched Syracuse play, I don't think that that quarterback Schrader is just that good just for my eye test. I know his numbers look good. team's undefeated, but he it's just, I don't, their offense, it's never too fluid for me. And when I've seen them play, they've also won the games at home. They beat Purdue at home. They beat NC State at home. Um, again, not that I'm high on uh, Clemson's quarterback, Ugalele, because he still is nothing comparable for high-end quarterbacks in, in the in the country. He's but, a lot better than he was last year, though. W- that is true. He is making progress. But I just think that you're, not, you're outside the Carrier Dome. I don't think that quarterback is quite as good as the numbers show, and you're probably playing the one of the better or best defenses in your conference. Um, yeah. I would lean – Clemson, and I think Vegas has shown you that by making it 13 and a half. Because when you look at the rankings and the numbers, you're like, "Oh, okay, what? Well, this should be kind of a close pick'em game." But you're you're getting almost two touchdowns, and I don't believe I I watched Syracuse last week. That Schrader was healthy. I I don't think there was any crazy injuries for Syracuse. So I think that the spread indicates the the difference of these teams, and I, I'm going to lean with the spread there. Um, I just think that Clemson's a more superior team, and I don't think that Syracuse offense travels on the road like it would in the Hughes Dome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's – Clemson does have a way of just like – well, you know, Dabo, sometimes he he'll just sit on it. He's like, all right, we got the game, let's just sit on it. So I'm wondering if that's the case. We're going to get to that Ole Miss-LSU game, and I literally I, – I skipped by it or something looking at the odds. I did not realize – that they're an underdog in that game. So we'll get to that. We will definitely get to that. Let's go back-to-back in the ever-entertaining the whole year long. I mean, offensively, it's always entertaining. But the Big 12, Texas visiting Oklahoma State, coming off a loss. It'll be interesting to see if their their mind is where, you know, they're thinking of that 17-point lead they had on TCU. Texas is a six-point favorite on the road, and then also Kansas State and TCU, 
I saw that at like four and a half or five. It's already down to three and a half. Um, you know, maybe the hangover is real. Two big matchups here, important matchups in the Big Twelve, Marshall. Why? Why is Texas getting six points at Oak State? What? What is? State don't Texas? have that Iowa State defense. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. I, I, I wonder I, myself. I mean, I, I, okay, you had, you had a moral victory against Bama. Okay, you played in title, give you that. Um, you beat Oklahoma, but I mean, that was like versus a quarterback couldn't throw a ball. Yep, yep, that's true. And, and you, and you, you beat Iowa, you beat Iowa State, which again, by three, and you're favored by 14. I'm, I'm not saying that Texas is hideous this year. I think they've improved this year, but you lost to Texas Tech, like, they're favored by 16 what? and a half, 17 times. I just, unless, like, and I don't think Spencer Saunders got hurt yet because we were watching that Oak State K-State well, game. Well, he did look a little, I, he didn't look healthy, I'll say that. He okay, little he's great. maybe a little, little bang. Okay, and that could be some of our Vegas knows. And Oklahoma State but, is not the defense it, it had been previously. True. So You're right. They're up 28 a game, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, Look at who they played, though, too. You know, some, some pretty high octane offenses. Yeah, I just I don't I, unless that Spencer Saunders injury is is worse than we're aware of, which could be possibly completely true based on the point spread. I don't I don't think there's any business that uh, Texas should be more than a three point favorite at most. I mean, again, they lost at Texas Tech, and they, when they were, when Texas was playing UTSA San Antonio. That game was a, a touchdown game, a touchdown difference going into the fourth quarter. Like, and now you're giving them six. So I would, I would look into the Saunders injury, and if he is hurt, then that is a different element. But again, I'm not saying Texas can't win the game, Chris. But you're almost getting a touchdown on the road against a team that you know you're always going to be kind of neck and neck with. Th- this spread to me makes no sense whatsoever. So I would take Oak State for sure. I, I mean, I think Oak State could win the game. So, but take Oak State plus six. I think this is a coin flip game at best. But if you're gonna give me an away team, uh, and, and they got to win by a touchdown to cover a bet, I, I would gladly take Oak State here. Do a little research on the injury, uh, because maybe that's what line is talking to us. But yeah, I, I don't see this one, brother. Both these teams have been pretty evenly played. Texas has maybe had a, a, a bit of a harder schedule because you got to throw Bama in there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, man, that that's a ton of respect, my friend. That's a lot of respect. Yeah, I think so too. And in, in Vegas, and the according to ESPN's no longer the power index. According to ESPN analytics, it just says they must have lost the rights to that. <laughs> the, the 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 BPI or FPI. Something, I don't know what something went wrong there because they just changed. Well, dude, like don't you know? Go, goalposts are expensive, Chris. The economy's changing. Goal, the point, Tennessee dude, needs a loan. They infl- speaking of inflation, they inflated Texas here right now. But, you know, maybe that is the case. Sanders, like I said, I didn't get to see the whole game in its entirety. Because sure. um, so, I was so tuned into that ten- Alabama-Tennessee. But I-, I did notice it a little bit. And then I ha- I've kind of heard other, you know, folks talk about it on the podcast saying, hey, you know, he, he didn't look all that great. So, yeah, you're right. Kind of. Okay, so I just ran a Okay. I ran a quick Google. Uh, Spencer Saunders playing through injury. 
rumors swirling about availability against Texas. That was posted four hours ago on an Oklahoma radio station. So that 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 makes sense. That that's a logical reason. Okay, I got you. Jesus. That helps, no doubt. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a hell of a stretch here. And <clears throat> that Kansas game, if, if, if uh, what's his coach? Is it McDaniels? Or Daniels? Daniels. Daniels, if he, gets, if he doesn't get knocked out of that Kansas game, who knows? I mean, you know, Bean's a good player, but he's not, he doesn't get the herky-jerky and the ultimate playmaking that Daniels had. They may have not won that game. That was a fun second half of that game. But how many of these games, Marshall, can you just, you know, you already had it, like you said, with SMU. The back-to-back games, very tight games. At some point, something's got to give. Kansas State does have a loss, but it's to a quality, now ranked, I believe, two-lane uh, squad. Um, they do all right against the run. I mean, on paper, beyond the passing yards, uh, which – Clearly favors 158 to 297. Clearly favors uh, TCU. Now, TCU's given up more points. Um, they're giving up 26 and a half. But, you know, like I said, some of those kind of look into it. I, I don't know what to think about that. But what do you think here, man? Can they do it again? Because this is a – Kansas State will slow you down. We know that. Got the slow-mo offense again. Um but I still every every time Kansas State's on right now, just like it used to be years ago with that quarterback, the slow, you know, they're always like, "What's this running back doing?" You know, like, dude, he's he, that's the offense, <laughs> man. Calm down. Like, watch, he's about to get 13 yards. Uh, but it is kind of interesting. That's another thing I love about college football: the amount of offenses and defenses you see throughout, uh, you know, a year. But what do you think about this, man? Because if TCU wins this game, I mean, I, they're already, you know, for real and all that. I'm not trying to be like, oh, man, if they win this game, they're sure. really for real. Because they still have Texas Tech. Uh, yeah, Texas Tech. They still have uh, at Texas, uh, still at Baylor and Iowa State. That just shows you how fun this Big 12 is this year. But what do you think about this one, man? Because I got to admit, in, in late September, SMU is a good, decent club, right? But I gotta admit, you know, they're three and three right now, so it's not like they're a, a great club or anything. But when they, you know, going into that game with Kansas and even before that, I just didn't really know where, you know, what TCU would be, and, and here they are. But can you do it again, week after week like this, or is it just ultimate letdown coming? I, dude, I, God, I don't know. It wouldn't be an ultimate. You know, letdown. You're, you're at home. You're at home. It's a night game. The place is going to be going crazy. I, I should maybe actually go to the game. That would probably be well worth a ticket to experience that game. 
But Oklahoma State's one of the schools that doesn't give a shit. They 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 always they seem to ruin Oklahoma's. They they ruin Oklahoma season every year. They don't mind the traveling. I mean, and you're you at some point you got to be up for that letdown. But if we're looking at all seriousness, this game is for like for first place in the Big Twelve. Like all the chips are on the table. But so, but if you're looking strictly from what we know about college football for the combined 70 years plus me and my co-hosts have been alive, like everything would tell you that this is a, a letdown spot eventually. But you're, I guess you're at home. You, you, you've rallied the troops one more time. Then you have a letdown spot. Yeah. You're at home. It's a night game. No. See, so yeah, you're at home. It's a night game. That that is a positive. But man, how many more times can you? And again, but both are three and zero. Like the, the, you literally are fighting for to stay on top of the Big Twelve. So this should be a, a hell of a fun game. And and I do like that it is um at the uh, at the end, um end of the day. But God, I I just think just from from a gambling purpose alone, Chris, I think K State is the pick because TCU just had another crazy. Shit, double overtime win at home. And now you're going to play again at home against a team who really doesn't care where they play. Like, I, I got I got to pick K-State. And if if TCU wins, I will start off next week's podcast with an opening rant, giving them props. Because, again, I, how, how many more times can that happen? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, 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 I got to go. I got to take K-State. And if TC wins again, dude, well deserved. Keep it up. You're you're still on your heater. Like that'd be that'd be insane. Yeah, I mean this one, it's literally like I'm on the fence. I mean they have a better defense. We know that their offense isn't as good, but I think it feels like a little bit better uh, than what the numbers tell you. But just because they're so run heavy, that's the thing about TCU. Though we say, oh, Kansas State's run heavy. Two forty four will. They're about 230, 229 TCU on top of the almost 300 yards they air it out for. So, you know, can K-State once in a while hit something explosive in the pass game? Because, you know, they do, TCU gives up 264 a game. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, they they limited Texas Tech to, to 28 points, which, you know, that's a good, that's a, that's a good club. So, I'm stuck on this one, but I, I, I'm kind of feeling the home court or the home field, though. I'm True, go that helps. I'm going to go TCU, but I'm not confident at all with this. I'll say this, though. If they if it goes down to three, I may jump on that, but I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just in between. I may just stay away from this game. Uh, other games, really, with Alabama, Mississippi. But, hey, State, just, sorry, but, just quickly to wrap that one up. We to look at it from a K, from a K State schedule perspective, Chris. You won at Iowa State ten to nine. You go at TCU this game for a crazy game. Then you host Oak State. Then you host Texas. Then go to Baylor. So th- I mean, th- this is almost one you got to have because if you're a K State, if you lose this one, now you're yeah. game behind TCU, and then you got to host Oak State and Texas back to back weeks. That's tough. Damn. The the, the Big Twelve providing us a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. It really has, man. I mean, it, it's starting to feel like the college basketball the last couple of years with the Big Twelve, man. 
and there's legit teams too that you'd be like, oh, these are legit, dude, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like the question about the Mississippi State Alabama, Mississippi State visiting Alabama, it really just comes down to can Bama win by 21 points in my mind. Um, Penn State, Minnesota, it feels about four and a half, feels about right. Minnesota, uh, even though he didn't play good in the game, their starting quarterback, he's been there about 14 years, he got hurt, and he's not in the protocol, but he got he took a, a shot to the head, and, and I can't remember who else he got hurt. But he, he may play or may not, um, but, man, I kind of like Penn State to cover on that. I feel like they're going to win possibly by double digits. And then obviously Ole Miss LSU, we'll save that for last as far as the uh, top 25. Oh, Memphis and Tulane. Memphis almost pulled off the upset of the week last week in like triple overtime or whatever it was. They did cover, though, as a plus five and a half. Now they're a plus seven on the road. Can they summon the energy to shock Tulane, who's six and one? Kind of interesting there. So we'll just go down the line. Bama, can they win by 21? No, I think this is one of the best teams Mike Leach has had. All they do is throw, and as you've seen, Bama's secondary has trouble stopping the pass. So I would take Mississippi State plus 21. I doubt they'll win, but I'm sure Bama will be pissed off, have a good week of practice, but that secondary ain't getting fixed overnight. That's for sure. Um, and then you think Penn State? With uh, an inexperienced quarterback for Minnesota, potentially, they're going to cover, kind of lick their wounds and and say, hey, remember, we were up at half. (laughs) You think they can beat Minnesota by uh, five points and cover? Yeah, with an inexperienced quarterback, yeah, I would would lean Penn State if Morgan's not there. Yeah, that's a tough spot for them. And last but not least, when it comes to the top 25, Ole Miss on the road, 2.30. It's 2.30, so that's that's positive. Things are looking up already. One and a half, I don't know what it opened at, but one and a half favorite LSU. What says you about this, this game, man? Because, like I said, I missed it. I knew they were playing. But I just, you know how sometimes you just scroll by something and you just didn't, I didn't sure. even pay attention to it. I looked up like, wait, what? Oh, my goodness. Okay, this is going to get interesting. And it does seem like, you know, we just talked about how LSU is kind of getting their stuff together a little bit. Speaking of Mississippi State, they beat Mississippi State uh, pretty handily um, in the second half, actually. Um, what do you think about this one? I, I Like I said, I just did not notice that they were – actually were the underdog on this um and i think it opened right around there i'm actually googling it right now why don't you break that game down for us sir i man um if old miss keeps uh, god yeah, old miss is, minus, it opened that my old miss was a one point favorite okay all right well I mean, hell, LSU's been LSU's been on a, on the Vegas side. Vegas made Tennessee a three point you know favorite in LSU, and that game was over in about ten minutes. So um, I do think there's a little bit of LSU love. Um, but hey, if if you're Ole Miss, this is your toughest game of the year so far. Okay, thankfully it's not a night game. That's a benefit to Lane Kiffin and the boys. But 
you just got stick to your plan. Run the ball down their throat and stick to it and hope your defense makes a couple of turnovers. Um, I do think this will be the toughest test so far for Jackson Dart. Um, again, as you can tell, this is not the regular Old Miss offensive passing. But as my co-host said, they're running you-know-what out of the ball, and they have been. Like, Old Miss is putting up numbers like they're like a service academy, and they're, and they're not running the option, I promise you. So if you can win the turnover possession battle, and make it a close game, I, I think Ole Miss can definitely win. As we've seen so far this year, LSU, they're, they're, they're a good, talented team, but this is not, you know, we're, we're not going back a couple of years with Joe Burrow and, and, and Coach O. Like, this LSU team is, they probably really are on par. And if Ole Miss can, can control the clock, um, and the other part is just can you control that Jaden Daniels? Because whenever I've seen LSU play this year, Chris, Daniels has really hurt people with his feet and kind of made plays yeah. happen with his arm. Yeah. And this Ole Miss defense has done a pretty good job so far this year. Um, when they did play their toughest opponent on offense, which was that Levis for Kentucky, and they forced a lot of turnovers on him. Um, they've kind of checked out a little bit mentally against Vandy and Auburn, which hopefully was just that that moment itself, just checking out. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to take Ole Miss to win, control the game, Try to control control Daniels in the pocket and sneak out of Happy Valley. But again, if you can run the ball another forty to fifty times a game, you're going to have a chance to win on the road or at home. So I'll take Ole Miss with the with the few baby points of I guess maybe get one and a half or plus two. Yeah, probably jump on those points because if they opened as a favorite, it's probably not going to go much higher that LSU way. Maybe if it was probably not seven o'clock at night or some shit like that. Yeah, I thought you did a good job breaking that down. I think Ole Miss will uh, win that game. A um, couple of other items, and we do got to put the pedal to the pedal here because it is – we're at almost 110. I just realized that. Uh, Kansas-Baylor. Baylor's an eight-point favorite. I'm looking at that going, are we positive they can win the game by that much? Here's another one, West Virginia on the road at Texas Tech. Texas Tech right now, can I – do I think they'll win? Yeah, sure. But they're seven-point favorites. I'm looking, hmm, I wonder. Another one I wonder about, we just talked about it, Purdue on the road as a two-point favorite, not a five or a six. Or They just have to win by three at Wisconsin. Um, and, no, Wisconsin doesn't give up a bunch of points, but it's not like Iowa, um, you know, as far as that you know, good of a defense. This year I'm speaking, of course, Wisconsin's had hell, a ton of great uh, defenses in the past. Uh, but I, I'm looking at that going, I think Purdue can accomplish that. Um, any other items uh, before we get to crappy, crappy pick the week here, sir? Um, I'm with you. I would definitely take Purdue. I think that's a solid bet. Wisconsin, even with the new coach, that, that team has just been struggling. And when you get Purdue and you get even a couple of points, like, the, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to fight for your bet. That, that team, really doesn't have too many shitty games and they're lucky. I, I wish they could host Ohio state at night and have like an urban Meyer beat down. They had like four or five years ago. Um, see, I, I would like Purdue in that situation. Um, man, BYU, BYU plays Liberty. Liberty is seven. Liberty is six and one. I know they had their quarterback go pro, but BYU is a seven point favorite at Liberty. Huh? I, wow. I, I would research that because, BYU, they've literally not had an easy game all year, and Liberty's six and one. That that one 
we're talking about just bets to look at, man. And it's yeah, at Liberty, and you're and you're getting a full, almost a full touchdown. That's that one's very surprising, my friend. That one doesn't yeah, make. Liberty doesn't have the offense that he did last year, but yeah, you're right. Huh. They're getting they're getting killed on the run too. Uh, like a bucket, he's seven a game. Yeah, dude, that that's hmm, that's an interesting one. That might be an against the spread that we got to play. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about Texas Tech, West Virginia. God, that, that, that's a letdown for Texas Tech. Those are probably two of the worst teams in the Big 12. Uh, again, if, if you're, if you're going to bet Texas Tech, I would try to get six and a half because that seems like a game that's probably going to come down to the wire. Um, you know, it's one of those bottom of the barrel games where, you know, there's not, it's not Texas or OU in there. So a, a, a Texas Tech might have a little bit of a letdown spot, but I, I, w- I would have to find a certain angle to be really apt to bet that game just because, yeah. The whole I, yeah. Point, Iowa State at the bottom too. God, that's that's so crazy to hear you actually say those words. That that is that 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 that's why we love. That's why I've been loving the Big Twelve this year. And hey, for uh, Baylor and KU, just take the over. It's sixteen and a half. Take the over because KU's been scoring. Baylor's going to score on KU. KU's going to score back. Uh, sixteen and a half. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So. I, I will lean the over on that, my friend. But yeah, I think that about. Yeah, we got uh, any, any other games you got? Nah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, all right. Here we go. Um, I, you, every week I'm supposed to find the worst game of the week, and I, we're, we're this is a little bit different. But Chris, we're we're hopping on a plane from Hawaii. We're flying to Colorado State, but the kicker is Hawaii's on that plane with us. It it is the worst game oh, of the week, man, hands down. Dude. It it is. I'm sorry. And it was. It, there was a couple of games that were just as bad, but the point spreads were like multiple digits. Like I can't. I can't do a 13 point yeah. spread. So, <laughs> Hawaii Rainbow Warriors are traveling to Colorado State Rams. Uh, Hawaii's two and five. Colorado State's one and five. It is that Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins? You got to pay twenty five damn dollars to get into this game, Chris. It's a three. It's a three o'clock. Um, there's no TV network broadcast next to it. Almost every game you get will have some type of TV logo next to it. This is not ESPN Plus, CBS Sports, or anything. This game may not be allowed to be seen on television. What does your gut say as Hawaii? Stays on the crafty craft pick of the week. They're racking up some air miles for us. What's your gut say, brother? This is a tough one. Dude. First of all, I guess when I look at it, what are the odds that Hawaii's going to win back-to-back games this year, right? On the road, that, that does you know play into things. But on the other end, it's like, damn, like, well, they did. The only win they got was at Nevada, so they actually had to go on the road there. Uh, for Colorado State, so they both have a win over Nevada. Um, wow, and man, this is crazy. Twelve point. Colorado State is putting up twelve points a game. Given, given <laughs> I mean, that they only rush seventy six yards a game. That's just horrendous. Um, and I was gonna say, I looked at that rush allowed two twelve. I'm like, okay, would it be? Oh, they only get seventy six yards. Great. Um, yeah, this one's tough, dude. This one is a uh, damn. Um, boy, this is tough. 
I'm just going to go off the odds that, you know, they're coming off two losses. Maybe they can win again. I'm going to, I'm just going to say why he's not winning back-to-back. <laughs> this is just, I, I don't know. There's been some close games lately, uh, losing to Utah State. At, oh, Utah State beat him at home. Great. This is not the Utah State from, you know, a couple years ago. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to go, what is it, the Rams? Are they the Rams? Yes, Colorado the Rams. The Rams. I'm going to go Colorado. They're still pissed from getting beat 51-7 Michigan earlier in the year, so they're going to get their dub. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Third string QB leads Utah to win over Colorado State. Jesus. Oh, man. Okay, well, I think the audience knows I'm, I'm herky-jerky on this one, but I'm going to go with the Rams, sir. And last week for alumni battles, um, we realized that Hawaii had a couple of football players. Um, if you scroll through Colorado State, Chris, on a famous alumni in the top Google bar, when you get to about 50 people in, they have that actor Jason Momoa. <laughs> um, he's the most, he was the first name I recognized from Colorado State. So I'm going to tip the cap to the actor Jason Momoa, um, that I'm sure the female audience likes. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll take the Colorado State Rams with my co-host in the Crafty Crafty Pick of the Week. Um, I hope next week we were talking about a goalpost being torn down and thrown into some part of the country. I heard that slows down global warming as well. So on that note, um, I'm happy for my good friend. She was singing Rocky Top, leaving the bar, so I was props to her. Uh, when, you're, when your college football team wins a special rivalry game, uh, there's few better feelings like that, uh, in, all, in all honesty. So we'll be back next Monday breaking down another crazy Big 12 week. It's just guaranteed to happen. And can TCU win yet again? The boys are out. Have a good one. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.